This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network here on this Thursday night. Great to have you with us. Phil Kornblut from the home studio tonight was actually attempting to get downtown. And my goodness, the traffic in Northeast Columbia. I don't know where you're going and why you're going so slow and why there's so many of you out there. I mean, I know it's, what, three days before Christmas? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Sunday. Um if you ain't bought it by now, you might as well just give up, right, and just go about your business. Anyway, traffic was an absolute mess, so had to whip it around, get back to the home studio. So we're here, but Pat Daniel is at our Dave & Buster Studios in downtown Columbia, so he can uh, connect you with us. Our phone number, 888 is the number. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number here on Sports Talk. It's the day after National Signing day. How many of you are dealing with PSDS, post-signing day syndrome? Things were a lot quieter today. Things were a lot slower today, slower moving today because you weren't calling somebody. You weren't looking at Twitter. You weren't checking to see who was doing this and who was doing that. Though there's still a little bit left to do for South Carolina and Clemson is done with their class, barring any sort of a transfer who might pop in there. I want to talk about that as well. 888 First of all, I know we didn't get to calls last night because we were so jammed with signing day coverage and SC Wild the last half hour. We left people hanging on the line. So if you want to join us tonight and talk about yesterday, that's all well and good. 888-898-2525 is the number. Of course, it's time to start turning our attention to the bowl games beginning next week. We've got Coastal Carolina and East Carolina in Birmingham. They'll be the first team in the state to play a bowl game on the 27th, and then South Carolina and Clemson playing on the 30th in Jacksonville. Today we heard from USC coordinators White and Limbo. We'll bring you some Clayton White tonight, and also we'll catch up on the Coastal Carolina side of things, too. We'll hear from the uh, Shauna Clear's new head football coach, who's not coaching the team, Tim Beck, will talk about signing day for uh, Coastal Carolina yesterday. But we will hear from Chad Staggs, the uh, interim head coach uh, at uh, Coastal Carolina, coaching as the head coach for this game in Birmingham. Also, Clemson linebacker Jeremiah Trotter talking about the Tigers getting ready for a Tennessee team that even though they're going to be without their starting quarterback, Hooker, Joe Milton, he's not the runner Hooker was, but he is a good thrower. And so you can't really take your eye off the ball if you're Clemson. Of course, they won't have Jalen Hyatt, uh, and they've had some others to uh, drop out because of uh, transfer or NFL or injuries, things like that. But uh, Tennessee is still a very dangerous team, and you know they're they're not going to change their style, I wouldn't think. I think they're going to continue to go extremely fast, 
fastest team in the country, and I think that the Clemson defense is really going to find a test because they haven't faced a defense like this, I'm sorry, an offense like this all season long, a, a team that goes really this quickly. Who else went fast that they, that they played? Wake Forest, I think, uh, went pretty fast, but then they kind of slowed down once the ball was snapped with that uh, mesh running game that they have, that mesh attack running game. But they would get up to the line pretty quickly and snap it. I don't think there's anybody else that really snapped the ball as quickly as Tennessee does. So that'll be a test for Clemson. Uh, Gamecock-wise, well, they simply are going to have to stop the run. Notre Dame runs it extremely well, and um, they will be without their – who had been their starting quarterback, and they'll be without their outstanding starting tight end, who was their leading receiver. But they've got those running backs back, and they do have a – strong physical offensive line which is typical of Notre Dame and I got to believe with their quarterback situation being where it is in flux to some degree I, I got to believe Notre Dame's just going to line up and say okay you know let's see if you can stop us they, they rush for well over 250 yards against Clemson they did that several times against several different opponents just lined up and ran the football and that's what I would expect them to do against South Carolina so we'll see if the Gamecock defense will be up to the task offensively for the Gamecocks with the um, we don't know who's calling the plays. I mean, Pete Limbo said today he's not calling the plays. And um, so who's calling the plays and, and what changes are they making in this interim situation regarding the uh, offensive coordinator and play calling situation? Because Loggins is not involved with that right now. And um, what will they uh, be doing offensively? I mean, do they stick with what they've been doing? Do they – do they play more wide open? Do they open up the playbook even more and throw it around even more? You don't have Marshawn Lloyd, so there goes your best running back. You don't have Jaheim Bell, so there goes another running back and another uh, receiving threat. What will the Gamecocks do with their offense in the bowl game? That's going to be one of the real mysteries. And Shane Beamer is being extremely uh, private about it. He is not giving any hints about what they're going to do on offense and who's going to be calling the plays? He doesn't want to give Notre Dame any um, advance warning, any advance notice about uh, what they're going to be doing in the bowl game offensively. So it's time to kick that all around tonight here on the program. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And Pat is at the Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia. Be sure to go out and eat, drink, play, and catch all the big games all season long at Dave & Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Of course, you've got NFL takeover starting tonight. There's no NFL game on Friday, but there's one tonight. It's up in New York. It's uh, the Jets. The Jets will be home tonight, and they are going to be facing, in terms of the weather up there, they're going to be facing like 50-mile-an-hour gusts as this storm moves into the northeast. The Jaguars have left warm and cozy Jacksonville to go up to New York to play this game tonight. And the weather is really going to be a factor, especially the wind. So Trevor Lawrence is really going to, I don't know, has he played Has he played up at Buffalo yet in the winter? This might be his first real taste of nasty, wintry weather in an NFL game. And the Jaguars have been playing a, a heck of a lot better. Uh, the Jets have been struggling at the quarterback position because of injuries. Eric Wilson is going to be the starting quarterback for them tonight so they've gone back to him because of the injuries to uh, the guy that replaced him what's his name is it Mike White I think it is so 
they have a, um, a rotating situation at quarterback there for the Jets. By the way, I don't know if you caught this or not, but the NFL announced today that it has reached an agreement with YouTube for the Sunday ticket starting next year. You know, Sunday ticket has been the property of DirecTV since, uh, I think, 1994. Been a while. And as a DirecTV customer, it's been nice to have it. But now YouTube. YouTube is paying $2.5 billion. And I think that's annually. i got to go back and check. I think that's annually. Annually for seven years, yep. <laughs> $2.5 billion. I can't even fathom over, uh, and you multiply that times seven. My, I can't even begin to consider what that actually looks like in total dollars. But that's where it's headed. It's headed to um, YouTube. And if you're a subscriber to YouTube, then you'll have a chance, I guess, to buy the package. I guess anybody can buy the package if they want to. Or maybe you have to subscribe to YouTube. I don't know the rules yet. Maybe you have to subscribe to YouTube first to be able to um, be able to take advantage of that. So, so Phil, it'll be, a, it'll be available either as an add-on for existing YouTube TV subscribers or mm-hmm. as a standalone option through the YouTube primetime channel. So you will have an option to either fully subscribe through them and get rid of your existing cable or you could uh, pay, I would assume, a, a lesser amount to get it as a standalone product. But either way, another expense. Yeah. So just looking and, and downloading YouTube videos not going to get it done for you. That's correct. <laughs> That's, that doesn't count. <laughs> no. That will not get it done for you. Okay. Um, phone number 888-898-2525. You know, while all this football has been going on, in signing day yesterday, did you notice that Clemson is 2-0 and in basketball in the ACC? Tigers went and spanked Georgia Tech last night in Atlanta, and they are 2-0 and in the ACC for like the fourth time in, in, in like 20-something years, like the first time I think since like 2017. And um, terrific start for Brad Brownell and the team in, in uh, ACC play. P.J. Hall was phenomenal last night, 25 points. I think he had like 10 rebounds. Um, they are getting some really good play from a lot of different players right now, and they're playing well as a team. They're getting good complimentary efforts. The ball is moving. They had 20 assists on their 31 baskets last night. Uh, they got NC State next Friday at 4 o'clock. I mean, I'm sure there will be enough people around to give them some kind of a home court atmosphere, but that's a tough I mean, if you're Brad Brownell, you're like, you know, we're 2-0 and in the ACC. We've got a lot of good things going our way, and here we are. we got to play a 4 o'clock game on December 30th. Our football team is playing that night in a bowl game. You just can't catch a break. You just can't catch a break when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, but people might want to start paying attention, Pat, to this Clemson basketball team because 2-0 is 2-0 in the ACC. That's nothing to apologize for. They've beaten Wake Forest, and they've beaten Georgia Tech. No, you're exactly right, and they curr- I know it's early, but they're currently sitting tied with Pitt for second place in the ACC behind Miami, and enjoy it while you can, because we know, of course, this, this season's going to continue get to get tougher. The ACC is a monster every season, but it's amazing this team, how different they are with and without P.J. Hall. Uh, I'd like to go back to that game here in Columbia against South Carolina. I was there for that. It was a fantastic game from start to finish, but remember, that was when P.J. Hall, nobody really expected it. There had been rumors a little bit, but nobody expected him to come back and play. He played, I think it was around 20 minutes, give or take, in that game. Uh, Definitely had some rust he had to shake off. 
but you could just tell in that game, and I don't mean this at all to take away from South Carolina because they played fantastic in that game, and I think they're kind of searching for that now ever since a little bit. But but now that this Clemson team has had P.J. Hall, he has his legs back, and they're able to really run the offense through him, they're just a completely different team. When, when he's able to be the focal point of that team and he's able to actually kind of get under the basket and bang bodies a little bit instead of staying around the perimeter like he did those first five or six games back, uh, you could tell he was not putting an emphasis on rebounding or attempting to block shots. He was playing more outside in, and now he's going more inside out. It's a completely different Clemson team. Yeah. A healthy P.J. Hall makes them one of the best teams in the ACC. Or, you know, in term, I, I think it makes them an, an upper upper half, upper tier team in the ACC. Uh, so last night, P.J. Hall, 12 of 18 from the floor. He had uh, 25 points. He had um, 10 rebounds. So he had the double-double. He had three assists. Hunter Tyson had 14 points, 13 rebounds. So they had two guys with double-doubles. Last night, Tigers shot it well. They shot fifty-five uh, percent in the first half, forty-five in the second, fifty percent for the game. They hit uh, five of eighteen threes. They hit twelve of thirteen from the line. They dominated inside as well. That's just a good win for them. I mean, Georgia Tech's not very good. Once again, they are zero and two in league play. But on the road in the ACC, uh, you cherish you cherish wins like that. And they're starting to stretch the bench a little bit. R.J. Godfrey played. Uh, ten and a half minutes last night. Dylan Hunter, who's been a nice contributor, he played over 23 minutes. A minutes. Ben Middlebrooks, uh, he played about seven minutes. So they're going really. And Josh Beadle played uh, about seven minutes. So they're going eight or nine deep right now. And in ACC play, uh, Pat, if you're if you're doing that, I mean, you're showing some confidence in some guys, and you're trying to get them ready for the long road ahead as they go through ACC play. You're exactly right. And again, I'd like to make the point with of P.J. Hall and the change from playing outside in to inside out. Again, going back to that South Carolina game as an example, remember the Gamecocks dominated the boards, not only on the offensive side. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was somewhere around what, like 29 to, I don't know, whatever it was. They dominated offensively and, and on the defensive boards. But now you look at this game last night, total rebounds, Clemson was plus 12. Defensive rebounds, plus 9. Offensive, plus 3. They're able when they're able to establish the game inside out as opposed to relying as much as they have in the past on the outside shots first. This this could be a ball club that may scare some of the upper echelon teams in the ACC. I'm not sure they'll be good enough to challenge for that title or anything, but they do look like a fringe NCAA team at least. Yeah, and South Carolina tonight, uh, the Gamecocks are in action. They are at home against Western Kentucky. The Gamecocks trying to. To get back on the right side of things, they've really struggled here of late. Uh, that win at Georgetown, of course, looked nice because of the name, but Georgetown's not very good, and I think we all know that. Uh, and since then, it's been uh, kind of a downer for the Gamecocks. Uh, they got whopped by uh, UAB. Uh, of course, they did beat Presbyterian in there, but again, you know, you can't, you can't feel great over that. And then they get beat uh, by East Carolina. They trail big in both of those games. So they play Western Kentucky tonight. Going to be a lot of NBA scouts there to see, of course, G.G. Jackson, but also Western Kentucky's got a pro prospect as well. He, got, he stands about 7'5", and so a lot of the scouts are coming in to uh, see him tonight. And, uh, listen, Western Kentucky, they're 8-2. and two. They have a, a terrific uh, basketball tradition as well. So this will be another tough one for South Carolina as they go into the conference break uh, after this. They won't play again 
until the 30th as well. They'll be home to take on Eastern Michigan at 7 o'clock. And, again, you're dealing with a situation there where all the attention is going to be on the football team. The football team will still be playing when that game tips off against Eastern Michigan, scheduled for a 7 o'clock tip. Of course, when the schedule's made, you don't know where your football team is playing, what day it's playing, when it's playing. So you just have to suck it up. But then, this is it for non-conference play. Gamecocks begin league play at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's been a major disappointment, major disappointment so far this year. So, uh, but they go to Nashville, and uh, we'll see what happens when they get into league play. But after that, you've got Tennessee and Kentucky back-to-back. And then you've got a three-game homestand with a disappointing Texas A&M, an always tough Ole Miss team, and, of course, an outstanding Auburn team. Then a trip to Florida, a trip to Georgia, and a home game against Mississippi State. So, in January, uh, Pat, I don't – there's not a lot of uh, what you would say slam dunk wins on that schedule for the Gamecocks in January based on what we've seen of them and based on what we've seen from the people on this schedule. Vandy's been a disappointment. A&M's been a disappointment. Uh, the rest look pretty tough. Yeah, you're exactly right there. And this Gamecock squad – Lamont Paris told us in his introductory press conference that he expected the defense to be the hardest part for his his new team to kind of gather as the season progresses. But right now it seems like their biggest issue is just coming out of the gate. I don't know if it's flat or just just hard-footed or whatever, but they just seem to come out of the gate slow each game and kind of dig themselves into a hole and then are facing uh, trying to climb their way back or claw their way back in the rest of the game. This team needs to get off to a fast start uh, in order to stay in a lot of these games. I remember saying it about a month ago, the starting five on this Gamecock squad is actually pretty good. I, I would put them up against a lot of competition. It's just the bench has not offered much of any help to this point. So they need more co- uh, contributions from their bench, and this team needs to get offensive right out of the gate and stop falling into these holes early. Of course, it's old Rick Stansberry, who's the coach at Western Kentucky. His name's floated around before when South Carolina has had an opening, and he's an excellent coach. You might not like some of the ways he gets it done or what he's been uh, alleged to have done over his years as a coach, but uh, he gets it done. He's in his seventh season there at Western Kentucky, 130-75, and 75, 423 career wins. He's 11-6 and six all time against the Gamecocks. So uh, he is um, a guy who knows how to play South Carolina and uh, he's bringing a pretty good club into Columbia tonight. That game's going to tip off a little bit after 7 o'clock. And our man Mike Morgan, Mike Morgan, will be on the call for a television on this one. And let's see, on television, it's going to be uh, on one of the ESPNs, I guess. Um, is it only on, uh, let's see, the, the, the venue, Platinum, ESPN.com, is that the only place it's available? For Mike and Pat Bradley to be here, wouldn't that be on the SEC network? I apologize, Phil. Which are you referencing the South Carolina Western Kentucky game? Yeah, that is on SEC network. That's correct. Okay, okay. I'm looking at the game notes here. They don't. Have, they just have Mike and, and Pat Bradley, but they've got the they got the, the television is ESPN.com. Uh, so, but it is going to be on the SEC network. So That's maybe right. That it, was a, a late will. ad or something. It will. And at this point, too, remember the Gamecocks are four and zero on their home court. the The crowds have been great. The fans have been coming out. They've uh, uh, they're giving a lot of support, and I think this Gamecock squad will continue to need that. This Western Kentucky team is 8-2. and two. They have a good record on the year. They did just lose to Louisville, though, who's having a really tough year. 
But this Western Kentucky team can put up points, and they can put them up in a hurry. Yeah, I watched some of that game, and um, the Hilltoppers had them down. I mean, they had Louisville down a good bit, and then Louisville rallied at home. It was played at Louisville. They rallied and took the lead and, and then pulled away from there. So, uh, but, but for a while there, the Western Kentucky had that one in hand. The Gamecocks are 285th in the net uh, going into this game. Okay, let's hit the break. Our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than 2.1 million lottery-funded scholarships such as Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships have been awarded to South Carolina students. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. And playing for fun is a win for education. Lines are open. Give us a call. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR Major. It's always a good time for folks to remember to get those licenses renewed. Doesn't matter what time of the year, it's always a season in, whether it's fishing or hunting. Make sure to check your licenses, make sure they're up to date. If you need a hunting or fishing license, you may go to www.dnr.sc.gov to purchase your license online or to any local licensed vendor in your local area. And don't forget to join us for SC Wild from DNR with Major Billy Downer on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. All right, let's jump right into those phone calls. We'll tie it on time. We'll get to as many as we can. We'll carry you over into the next half hour as well. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Bowl coverage in person for us will begin next week, Wednesday. In fact, I'll be in um, Fort Lauderdale, and Smitty will be in Jacksonville. Hank in Columbia, probably going to have to carry you over, but get it started. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corn. Um, I was just thinking as you were talking about the bowl game with South Carolina, 
Uh, Notre Dame is probably going to run it, like you said, and that probably helps South Carolina because you got to think they're South Carolina's probably two most secure losses on defense were um, the corner rush and Scott, but no, but we've had corners that played behind them. But Notre Dame is not going to emphasize the throw because of their quarterback situation, so it lessens those blows. And even with you know we got to we got to stop the run with, with Pickens out, but. You know, when you throw Hemingway in there, who's played probably the best of any of these linemen, and Birch that was a starter, um, I still think we fare better having to deal with that. But Beamer's got – Beamer probably got – you got to think about it, Corn. Beamer's got everybody where he wants to have them because with the quarterback situation last year, remember, nobody knew what kind of plan they were going to throw out. Neither – not you all knew. And then North Carolina didn't know. And so – he, they probably know exactly who's calling plays and what they're going to do, well, but Notre Dame has no no idea. Oh, certainly the Gamecocks know. And, Hank, if you want to hang on, we'll let you finish up on the other side. If not, we'll wish you a good evening. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away here on Sports Talk. We're back. It's Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Just looking ahead to this game tonight, South Carolina and Western Kentucky. They're saying like 20 NBA scouts are going to be there. And one of the guys they want to see from uh, the Western Kentucky standpoint is their 7-5 center by the name of Jamarian Sharp. 7-5-225. He's a senior and obviously one of the top shot blockers in the country. Now, I was just thinking, he's got to be probably now the tallest player to ever play at South Carolina. Taco, uh, Taco Fall played here uh, when he was at UCF, but I think he was listed at 7'4", wasn't he? I think he was listed at 7'4". Um, no, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. They list him at 7'6". So Taco Fall would be the tallest at 7'6". This guy would be next at 7-5. Then I was thinking Tommy Burleson, when he played at NC State, he was a freshman there in 71. Um, I'm, I'm thinking South Carolina was still in the league in the ACC when he was there. Maybe he played in Columbia. He was about 7-4. Uh, uh, then there was Shaq. How tall was Shaq? Shaq was about what? 7-2? 7-3 maybe? I think How tall seven, was Shaq? 7-1 or 2, I believe. Uh, I, can, I can check. Let's see. Yeah, he's 7-1. Got it right here, 7-1. So this dude is going to go down, as, to my memory, maybe the second tallest player to ever play in Columbia. So, anyway, something to think about if you're heading over to the game tonight. All right, let's get back to your phone calls. Number 888-898-2525. Is Hank still with us, or do we move on? Hank is still with us. All right, Hank, we'll let you finish up, and then we'll move on. And you're back on the air. Go right ahead. Yeah, as I was saying, Corn, um, he probably he probably has them exactly where he wants them because that's going to be the thing for Notre Dame is one. Uh, it's kind of hard to um, develop a game plan because the the inconsistency that Carolina had throughout the year before the last couple of games with a different play caller it, it, it's kind of make them wonder what they're going to do. Um, and they, you know, and they probably know who they have calling. And if you look at the last two games. Really, um, if they find somebody that can just, you know, 
get some runs in there and get some type of running game where they're doing the sweet jet sweeps or, or just using somebody like Rashad Amos or uh, if Christian Bill Smith is um, in enough shape to play. Um, those last two games, Carolina basically killed, beat Tennessee and, and um, Clemson without a heavy run game. <laughs> yes, that's true. They beat them with that air raid. So the Carolina still has those tools available. There's but you're not going to have – keep in mind, you're not going to have Jaheim Bell to catch the ball. You're not going to have Josh Van to catch uh, the ball I mean, in all likelihood. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to yeah, have yeah, – you, you're not going to have those other. Battle. You're not going to have those other tight ends. I mean, the the passing game. You're not going to have your starting right tackle. Uh, the passing game it took a pretty good hit here in the off season with guys leaving. Yeah, but I, I, you know, one thing I'll say, though, Corn um, Van would miss because Van would make a catch, but Van, you know, Van would make catches that helped you normally, but there were only one or two per game. Um, but in those last two games, remember there wasn't. You know, if you think about it, the if the Wanamaker starts, he started a lot for us because of injuries and stuff over the last mm-hmm. couple of uh, years, and he started in that position. So he, that that is not as um, – it's a concern because Wanamaker's not there. But um, to me, if you look at it, a lot of the folk with Wells and Rattler and Xavier Leggett and Amari Brown, those are the guys making the plays in those Tennessee and Clemson games. I mean, Stogner didn't really get any touches in that that Clemson game. They were all they all went to Atkins, so they still have those guys available. Yeah, I hear you, and thanks for the phone call. But again, you know, South Carolina is not so deep and so talented that you can lose these kind of players and not feel it. I don't think. I mean, yeah, they got some good players who've given them some good moments here and there. Atkins was terrific against Clemson. You know, and he had, I think he had maybe a couple of catches or so against Tennessee. Everybody had catches against Tennessee. But, I mean, you really are going to miss some of these people throughout the season that Rattler was depending on to catch the football. You may not have, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, Jalen Brooks may not be available either. So how many people can you be down at wide receiver uh, and, and still expect to be as explosive in the in the passing game, you know? It was just one after another. But thank you for your phone call. We appreciate it. 888-898-2525. Rodney in Mount Pleasant. Welcome into Sports Talk. Happy holidays to you, sir. Same to you um, and the rest of the crew there. Yes, sir. Um, I called yesterday but wasn't able to stay on probably when my turn came up. Um, I wanted to congratulate the North Carolina Central Eagles for representing the MEAC well and taking care of the, the win. Um, I mentioned to Pat, um, I was saying, it looked like the officiating crew had a brain freeze the way how the, the play towards the end of the regulation time um, resulted and I was pretty much like, come on now. I, I know they um, didn't do it on purpose, but it looked like things were trying to work to Dion's favor as far as get the, the tie to go into overtime, but I wasn't sure if he was going to go for the, um, the two-point conversion. But the main thing is the, the MEAC represented, and I was thinking about it as um, with the Clemson-Carolina situation uh, this past season, uh, Clemson had put a string of victories together, and then 
finally they lost. And then coach mentioned about how long, how, what is it, how hard it is to get to eight. Well, right now we're doing the same thing as far as the MEAC. Um, each time we play, it's making the next team have to um, represent well because they don't want to be that first team to go ahead and, and allow the swag to, um, to take them down. But each team has done well, and hopefully um, next year the, the Bulldogs will, will be back there. But um, real quick on the NFL, when you were mentioning about um, the Saturday's game, I think this was during the, the 90s when they just started it. I got a chance to go down to the Georgia Dome before it, you know, of course, is no longer. But I think it was the Eagles and the Falcons played. And the first half, the Cardinals were, were – beating them up and I took my um, sister um, to the game and she was wanting to leave but just when we got on the concourse area the Falcons all of a sudden scored two touchdowns so I I told her look you can't leave it's um, that close so unfortunately I can't remember who won but um, for me it looked like I couldn't remember other than that when I did remember that the Saturday games have been around this long, but I, I want to say it's, it's close to the 20 years that they've been playing on, on Saturday. But when it comes up towards the, the holiday, it just seems like it's all in your face, so to speak. Yeah, and thanks for your phone call. Yeah, they've been playing on Saturdays for years. Usually it was like a game or two. But uh, I think with the fact that you've got Christmas on a Sunday, I think the league looked at that, and I guess they didn't want to play too many games on Sunday, on Christmas Day, and they moved a bunch of them, if not the bulk of them, to Saturday. I mean, the schedule looks like this, if you haven't been um, paying attention. We mentioned you got the game tonight. You've got Jacksonville playing the Jets up in New York, and that's uh, going to be a cold one. But Saturday, you've got the Falcons at Baltimore. Uh, The Panthers are home tomorrow to the Lions. Buffalo plays in Chicago tomorrow. That is going to be brutal. Of course, it's two cold-weather teams, and they're used to it. I mean, Buffalo's been playing in brutal conditions, but that storm that's hitting the Midwest off the Great Lakes, that vortex thing they're talking about, that's going to be right in Chicago on Saturday. So that is going to be – I want to watch that just to watch the people freezing. And I promise you, even though the Bears stink, they'll have – Soldier Field will be packed – I was there in Chicago last Sunday, and they were home, um, and it was cold, and it was packed. So it'll be packed. New Orleans at Cleveland, that's another one right on the lake. It's going to be miserable. Seattle at Kansas City, these are all Saturday games. The Giants at Minnesota, Cincinnati, New England, Houston, Tennessee, Washington at San Francisco. Basically, they've moved the entire slate to Saturday. Your only Sunday games, Green Bay at Miami, yeah, they're doing three games on Sunday for each of the TV networks. you got Green Bay, Miami at the 1 o'clock slot, Denver, L.A., the 4.30 slot, and Tampa Bay, Arizona in the night slot. And then the Monday game, Chargers at uh, Indianapolis. So uh, the NFL, they're no dummies. Uh, they know Christmas, is, um, Christmas Day might be a tough draw for them. And, of course, Christmas Day has been the property of the NBA for all these years, the NBA's got a full slate of games across all its TV platforms on Sunday. So Sunday's going to be a huge sports day <laughs> along with everything else that's going on. 
Phil, I just want to see a repeat of that that Bills Dolphins game from this past weekend. Not sure if you caught when the the referee actually had to stop play at one point to plead with the fans to stop yeah. throwing snowballs onto the field, and then even said that the next snowball coming down will be a 15 yard penalty on the Bills. To which you had Bills players after the game saying, "Well." What if an opposing fan threw a snowball and then we get blamed and get a penalty? How are they, they going to decipher who it was? But watching that game, in particular when they were down around the end zone and just after every play and during the play, seeing these players getting pelted with snowballs was... Mm. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not part of the game, but it was also hilarious to watch and very on-brand for Buffalo fans. Nothing like cold-weather December NFL football. Seriously, December, January, cold-weather games, can't beat them. I think it's... I think it's great. Let's continue, and thank you for your phone call, Rodney. Let's go to uh, uh, my man up in Spartanburg, Mustin Kapasi, the owner, president, chancellor of Kapasi Glass in Spartanburg, where our motto is, if you don't like us and you don't like our prices and you don't like the Gamecocks, you can kiss our glass. Welcome in, Mustin. How are you? I am great, Phil. Hey, Phil, you know this kid that's coming to uh, tonight to Columbia, you know, seven foot five. If me and you got on top of each other, he would still block our shot. <laughs> now, Mustin, don't sell yourself short as an athlete. I've, I've heard back in the day at Dorman that you were quite the athlete, not to mention quite the ladies' man, but we won't talk about that, but quite the athlete. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my wife's with me, so we better not really leave the ladies alone. But, yeah, well, you know, you have to be an athlete at Dorman when I was going. You know, I was the only, I was the only Indian guy at Dorman High School. And, you know, they thought I could do all, you know, uh, create fire and do this and do that. And when they knew I, I wasn't worth a darn, I mean, I had to run for my life. So, I was, you know, I was pretty good at track. Well, you developed so, your speed that way. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, so Phil, you I assume you're coming down to Jacksonville, right? I will be driving through Jacksonville. That's correct. Okay. All right. Well, you need to come see us. You know, I I have got people coming to this ball game that I haven't heard from in like years. All of a sudden, they want to hang out and tailgate and do this and do that. Mm. We're gonna have. It's going to be fun. It, it's kind of like mean, it, it's kind of like all the relatives that you you find out you didn't have when you win the lottery, and all of a sudden, all these cousins and uncles and relatives yeah. start popping up out of the woodwork. Are you heading down there now? Or are you getting an early start? No, no. I wanted to, but you know, the wife's like, uh, you know, we we came back from a cruise two weeks ago, and she said I'm still recovering from my liver from drinking on that cruise. So she said. <laughs> I can't. I can't drink till we get down to Jacksonville. I said, okay. So when, so whenever she's not looking, I, I do my fireball shot and something and act like I'm not drinking. Well, you so. have to. You have to pace yourself, Mustin. You're you're a veteran, so I expect you to properly pace yourself. All right, real quick, handicap the game as you see it with all the changes both ways, everything that's been going on. Who do you like? You know, Phil. I I have no idea. You know. Oh, I mean, okay. You know me and my. You know, me and my buddies were talking, you know, college football has changed. I mean, it, like the top teams, unless you're in the top four, because, you know, the top four teams, none of their players are leaving. You know, they want to play in that top, you know, that those two, two championship games. Mm -hmm. But everybody else, I mean, look at Florida. They were a massacre, you know, other day. I mean, I think the half their team was gone. Mm -hmm. I don't even know our players. I think we've had at least, what, eight, nine leave. 
I, I don't even know who's going to be playing for us. You know, the the SEC, the the big, the top five conferences, when they play in the in these bowl games now, you better go ahead and take the underdog because. You know, now granted, we're playing Notre Dame, so that's not an underdog. But, you know, you, uh, all the top teams, I mean, they're losing players. These players don't care about the bowl game anymore. You know, they're they're leaving. They're going, you know, I mean, who's the, who offered the North Carolina quarterback $4 million to transfer? I mean, Allegedly, really? allegedly. You know, that's something yeah. that's been thrown out there. I mean, if you're going to yeah. make that allegation, then tell us who did it. Let's, let's back exactly. it up with some facts and, you know, show us the notes and the – and the messages, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the yeah. age we live in now, Mustin. You and I come from yep. a different time where players were playing for truly the name on the front, not the name on the back. They weren't worried about endorsements. They weren't worried about NIL and making a buck here, or a buck there. I'm not saying this yeah. is across the board. Okay. I don't want to paint every college athlete with the same brush because that's not fair. It really isn't. Right. And I'm not even going to say a majority I'm not even going to say a large percentage, but enough of the upper echelon athletes um, are just totally consumed with now, you know, making money as a ten as a teenager in a lot of cases, a 19 year old, a 20 year old. Maybe they're in a position they've got to help their family out. They've got to get this nil money, and that's what they're chasing. And I think in a lot of cases with these transfers, I think they're chasing the dollar and the day of the full team. Uh, being committed to a program because they love the school, they love the environment, uh, they have academic reasons for being there. Um, that day's gone. That day's just gone. And and the, the people that run the sports are largely to blame as well. I don't want to get off on that tangent tonight. I'm trying to stay in a happy mood. I've been in a not a happy mood. When I start talking about this, it puts me in a non-happy mood. I'm trying to stay in a happy mood, Mustard, and you're dragging me into a yep. non-happy mood. Yeah, I'm sorry, Phil. And, you know, look, this is one reason, like, I started hating baseball when free agency came. Mm-hmm. Like, look, my favorite team, the Braves, when they take the season every year, I don't know most of the damn players because I, I don't know where they went and who's on the team. And now, unfortunately, my second favorite, you know, sport, college football, is happening like that. You know, I mean, my own Gamecocks, I don't know who's going to be in that starting lineup come bowl game. And, I, you know, that's a shame. I, now it's got to that point, and – but anyway, hey, we're going to have a good time. I can't wait to be in Jacksonville. I haven't been there. In, well, when's the last time we played there in 85? It's been, I want to say 87. 87, yeah. I want to so say I, 87, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a big party. Phil, you've got to come see us. We, we're going to be around a bunch of RVs, and mm. we're going to have food, drinks, mm. uh, God knows wherever else, you know, and uh, you please come see us, and we, we're going to have a good time. I, I can't wait. Mustard, it's always great hearing from you, sir. I hope business is Thank well, you, selling a lot of glass, uh, you know, taking a lot of money from Clemson. If you're, if you're selling to Clemson people, then that's money they can't put into the NIL situation up there. Maybe. Oh, oh, oh I'm doing that. Trust yeah. me. I'll, I mean, I'll take orange money over South Carolina money because that, like you said, less money for them to pay their players, which, which, you know, they've been doing it anyway. So whatever I take, hell, it don't matter. I mean, Clemson's got enough money. They've been paying players for 20 years, so it doesn't mm. matter. You Mustard, know, so you, have a, you and the family have a great <laughs> holiday, and glad you're yep. feeling well and doing well. We'll see you soon. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you soon. You too, my friend. Okay. Mustin Kipasi, where once again their slogan is, if you don't like Mustin – and you don't like the Gamecocks, 
and you don't like Spartanburg, you can kiss our glass or something like that, okay? I cleaned it up. It used to be something else, but we've cleaned it up here during the holiday season. Uh, shall we hit a quick break, or I guess we won't. We'll continue with the calls here, and uh, we'll roll things over to the next half hour. How about that? 888 Let's take calls up to the top. Uh, we go to Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry in Swansea. Hello, Gamecock Larry. How are you? Doing just fine. Guess what I'm doing, Mr. Peel? Uh, I am – I am laying here huh? looking at old Pete Limbo laugh and old Dabo cry. Oh, how in the world did that punter get that ball to do what it does? But I'll tell you what, he is crying. He done, I heard him on a press conference the other day. He done said, I remember he said he didn't believe in the transfer portal. Well, he had to go get a few guys from Transfer Portal. Well, I tell you what, I heard him say we gonna close the fence. We gonna get the players from the game, from the South Carolina. Guess what, old Dabo? We got three of the top four. I think you might have got one. But you getting them four and five star quarterbacks to so good and can't even beat the Gamecocks. But I just feel good. I just want to holler at you a little bit, Mister uh, Mister Peel. Well, now let me ask but you: I, what, who, How much eggnog have you had today? Have you had a little I, extra look, eggnog? No, sir. I quit drinking in nineteen ninety-two. I laid it down, cold turkey, eggnog, liquor, beer, cigarettes, everything I laid it down, cold turkey. <laughs> cold turkey, quit everything, couldn't afford it, couldn't okay. afford it. And, 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 you feel, and you feel great, that would, be, that would be 30 years ago you put it down and you're feeling great. Yes, sir. I'm 88 years old, and I'm telling you, I am feeling good. The good Lord been good to me. And I don't, but I want to, I'm, oh, there you go. Look at him. Look at him. Oh, he just fumbled that ball. Remember that, Mr. Phil? Yes, sir. Remember that? Oh, he just fumbled that ball. And oh, oh, Mr. Oh, Dabo crying, crying. Oh, Pete Limbo laughing. (laughs) I'm going to let y'all go. I just had to holler at you a little bit, and I want to wish y'all a Merry Christmas. And if I don't get to talk to you New Year's, I'll talk to you after New Year's. And by the way, by the way, we got two big bowl games. I think the both of them might be on the 30th. One in the Gator Bowl, one in the Orange Bowl. But ain't no way I'm going to pull for either team in the Orange Bowl. I wouldn't care if both of you lost. If both of you win, I don't care who. As long as my Gamecocks do, we going to win. I'll tell you my prediction next Thursday afternoon. I'll give you my prediction. Gamecocks, and I'll tell you, no, I ain't going to predict that in the Orange I ain't going to be no orange. I'm going to be a Gamecock. 
Go Gamecocks. Talk to you later, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Gamecock Larry hadn't had a drink of liquor since 1992. I'm proud of the young man. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Happy holidays to you, Gamecock Larry. And, yeah, give us a call back and give us your, uh, your prediction on that. Gamecock Larry sounded a little fired up, though. He's ready to go. Speaking of crying, we did make – I did it again. I asked a question today, Pat, at the press conference. Uh-oh. And a coach got emotional. I was trying to remember now. I think this might be number three that I've broken over the years. I have to go back and check the tape. But we asked Pete Limbo at the very end of his time with us today about getting the contract extension and the huge bump in pay and and what that meant to him that the organization, USC organization, recognized how important excellent special teams play is to the success of the program. And he started to answer, and he got all choked up, got all choked up. And he just talked about how much he loves being in Columbia, loves being in South Carolina. It's great for the family. Uh, he's so happy to have made the move, how much he believes in Shane Beamer and what Shane Beamer's doing, how much he enjoys working with Shane Beamer, how much he enjoys being in the football building, uh, coaching with everybody else, working with everybody else. So, yeah, just thought I would mention that he got a little bit uh, emotional there as he was reflecting on things. Of course, you know, if he's making now 700,000-plus special teams coach, but also he's the assistant head coach, and I'm sure he is a sounding board for Shane Beamer. I'm sure when Shane Beamer has some things to get off his mind or some questions, he goes and taps into the fertile brain of Pete Limbo. This guy, he is quite the character. He's got quite the experiences, and he is very highly regarded. Key for South Carolina is keeping him around. Okay, top of the hour. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us on this, uh, what is it, Thursday night? Thursday night, Phil Kornblut from the home studio tonight. Apparently, the traffic that prevented me from getting downtown has prevented people from getting to the arena to watch this South Carolina-Western Kentucky game, or the fans are all sitting upstairs or out of view of the cameras because – as the cameras pan around the arena, you know, showing action on the floor, there is nobody, nobody sitting in the lower sections. Now I see some behind the baskets as a Western Kentucky player is getting ready to shoot a free throw, but it looks like it is a what we used to call a, a friends and family uh, kind of crowd there tonight at South Carolina. It's tough. I get it. They're not playing good basketball. They're not winning. It's a couple of days before Christmas. Students are gone. Every reason in the world you can come up with for not going to the ball game, uh, people are coming up with it. And, you know, Lamont Parrish has got a huge job on his hands because he's trying to build this thing piece by piece. And it's pretty obvious that even getting a great player, a great prospect, I'm not going to call him a great player, but a great prospect like G.G. Jackson, he alone uh, can't turn you into a very successful basketball team. I mean, just watching the Gamecocks here, they just turned it over twice and um, they, they just look sloppy. 
right there. Just just poor protection of the basketball. But it's only a four nothing game uh, early on, so we'll see what happens. Phil, I don't want to put you on the spot too bad here, but just curious, mm-hmm. and I, I, I plan to ask this question once every few weeks throughout the season probably, regarding Gigi Jackson. We all remember that he did reclassify. He technically should be a senior in high school right now. What does your gut tell you at this point? We can almost call it like the rivalry meter like we did uh, throughout the season with um, excuse me, with Will and uh, Carl the Thrill Hill all season. What is your GG to the NBA meter telling you? Do you expect him to be a one-and-done, or do you think that we may see him in Columbia for a second season? I would expect he'd be one-and-done. Um, I think that uh, the scouts see a natural talent. I mean, even if he doesn't foresee going to the NBA, I don't foresee him. I, look, I can't speak for the kid. Maybe he loves college life. Maybe he loves Lamont Paris. Maybe he loves school. Maybe he loves the campus. Maybe he loves his teammates. They're down 8 nothing, by the way. Uh, maybe he loves it all, and, and that's enough for him to come back. But um, my guess is he, he's going to be – I mean, listen, experts smarter than me believe he's going to be a – an early pick in the draft, so why would you come back for another year? If not, why not go play in one of the pro leagues? Because it's pretty obvious that this rebuilding job is going to take a while for Lamont Paris. And, I mean, you can't be that excited about what he's recruited so far for the next class. Um, And he's got two players signed that basically uh, nobody else big time wanted. And I do know they – the Murray Bowles kid playing out in Utah, they're saying he's, from what I've read, he's having an excellent season, and maybe he's going to develop into something else. And uh, maybe the uh, the other signee from um, where, over at Westwood, I think, Conyers, maybe he'll develop as well. But I'm just going by who who offered them and who recruited them, nobody. So um, Hayden Brown just shot an air ball from the foul line. Uh, they're down 8-2. to two. Uh, So – yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough rebuilding job here as he's going to have to start piece by piece, and um, and we'll see what happens. But getting somebody to – I mean, they think – you know, do you think uh, a Cam Scott's going to come to South Carolina? Except, I mean, if you're a kid like Cam Scott and you you know what his six happened to be. Now, he did not include North Carolina and Duke in his final six, so he cut those out. But there's some other basketball hotspots there. But maybe you convince him that, hey, you know, you're this great guy, and you can step in and turn us around. But G.G. Jackson's a great guy, and, and he's not able to turn it around by himself. So, you know, maybe if you get a Cam Scott and, and G.G. Jackson sees that, maybe he decides to come back for another year. you got a, a nice one-two nucleus there. But can't predict that right now. But they are playing pretty lousy as they trail 11-2 to early in their game at the uh, Colonial Life Arena. Let me update some other basketball. That's a good question, Pat, something we have to keep an eye on. Uh, we've got the Louisville and NC State playing tonight, ACC game at 7 o'clock. Uh, Vanderbilt beat Alabama A&M to get to 6-6, six six, 70-62. Charleston Southern won its fourth game, defeating Kentucky. Christian, 126-67. I had you going there for a minute, didn't I? No. 126-67, final score there. And let's see if there's anything else going on. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, Pat, I have to catch myself on an error. I want to do this before we get Andy on the air because I know he's calling to correct me. The Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, I think I called him Eric Wilson. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. I'll never make that mistake again. Phil, you were, actually, you were actually right. You said Mike White earlier. 
uh, forgetting that he was he's he's hurt right now. So Zach Wilson is taking his place. But I, yeah. I don't believe you actually said uh, Wilson at all. But yeah, Zach. No, Wilson. I didn't. I did. No, I said Eric Wilson was going to start. It's Zach Wilson. So. Ah, Zach. I, Wilson. Listen, I am I am man enough and confident enough in my ability to uh, correct myself when I know I'm wrong. Well, how about one? This was not an error you made, but more of you you sparked my curiosity earlier when you, you were trying to think of who would be the tallest player to have ever played in uh, whether it be the Colonial Life Arena or Frank McGuire Arena, whatever, against yeah. USC. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, I was with you. I just assumed Taco Fall, but I got curious. Do you happen to remember a man named Kenneth, or excuse me, Kenny George, and he played for UNC Asheville, uh, yes. Thursday, yes. December twenty eighth, two thousand six. He played yes. here in Columbia. He was seven seven at the time, and by the time his basketball career was over, he was, according to Google here, he was listed as seven foot nine inches. Ouch. Yeah. Wow. But he is the is the I would believe the tallest person to ever play uh, here in Columbia, and he must have had two left feet. Poor guy. He was a he was very very large, but he went undrafted. Um, was not drafted in the NBA. Yeah. But, yeah. But he helped Asheville in that in those times in the Big South. He sure did. Have a pretty good pretty good run of it. Eleven to two at the first media timeout. It's the Hilltoppers on top of the Gamecocks. Gamecocks are one of eight from the floor. They have committed three turnovers and. Just playing lousy, being outscored in the paint four to nothing. Well, so, Phil, this was just bad start. Yeah, and like I was saying at the beginning of the program, this is just becoming commonplace. Unfortunately for this team, is they have these slow starts. It seems like each game now, the Gamecocks find themselves in a hole early on in the ball game, and then are having to claw their way out the rest of the game. Which, of course, is going to mean you're going to run out of energy by the end. And we've we've all seen it. How many times do you see a team make a ferocious comeback and then ultimately run out of gas and end up losing by 15 or 20 again? And now here tonight, having Western Kentucky come into your arena, and you're down 11 to two less than five minutes into the game. Just not yeah. not a great start. Not even Mike Morgan and his waxed eyebrows can help the Gamecocks tonight. I'm afraid. Uh, let's get back to phone calls. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. We got some recruiting coming up. Oh yeah. And uh, got some other stuff coming your way. Let's go to Andy in Columbia. <laughs> you got to be <laughs> now being a Mets fan. Seriously, you need to apologize to the rest of baseball for what Steve Cohen is doing. And I mean, enjoy paying that fine. It's like three hundred million dollars you're going to pay something like that in in the taxes. So enjoy writing that check. Corn, it's one hundred and ten million in taxes. And that amount is more than 10 actual teams' total payroll. <laughs> I have nothing. You can call me the half-million-dollar man now as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. I don't care. You know what I do wish? I wish George Steinbrenner were still alive because mm. I'd love to watch him and Steve go head-to-head. Oh, they would. Put they would. The you know what I read? You know, Cone has a billion dollars of art in his house. Mm. And he looks at this baseball team like his art collection. If he mm. wants it, he's going to buy it. And I'm Did getting he, tired of listening to all these other major league officials who won't take money out of their pocket, complaining he's spending too much money, but trying to say there's no collusion between the teams. Now, did he make that, his money as a hedge fund guy? Is he one of yes, those? Yes, he did. Yeah, he's how, got how about we, 15 bills. That must not be real hard to do. How does somebody become a hedge fund manager? Because I want to take that up you know, starting know. in a couple of years. 
maybe he should talk to maybe he should talk to the Wilpons and find out you know how you do it wrong and how you do it right because they were involved with the man known as Bernie Madoff, which <laughs> um, almost killed my Mets. You know, you know, I heard uh-huh. some people talking. You know, I'm not the reason I called wasn't really just the Mets. No, I dragged but, you into it. Yeah, but people saying. He's acting. He's a fan who bought a team, and he's acting like a fan. Yeah. So what's wrong with it? He's spending the money. It's his. If he wants to spend it, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I mean, it's sure is, is he, a lot better than spending, being a Braves it's, fan it's okay and find to out spend. that Anthony Swanson was going to give you a break on the salary, but these people at the Owners are too cheap to pay Dan to be Swanson. Well, I mean, okay. but is he buying damaged goods? I mean, something's wrong here that he couldn't pass the physical or something came up with the physical with the Giants. Well, they were ready to, to, to close that deal. Today, he had his physical, and within the next 24 to 48 hours, after they go through the documentation, we'll decide if we're actually going to sign him or not. And if mm-hmm. they like what they see, he'll sign it. If not, you know what? In ten years, he can uh, be uh, he he could be Steve Show for all he cares. He don't care. He cares about now. He don't care about ten years down the road. Well, you um you've signed him and you've signed um, Verlander. Verlander, the pitcher. We, we spent a we bunch of money on him for we, two years, right? You only signed him for two years. We only signed him for two years. Mm. Personally, I would have I would have rather saved the money on Korea and kept. Um, and, and kept the Grom around, and spread the money out a little bit more in a couple other places. But you know, by the way, the Gamecocks third base doesn't hurt me. The Gamecocks have cut it to eleven to seven. And listen, oh, uh, the, the the Yankees. While we're on the subject, I mean, they signed uh, Rodon, yeah, who pitched at yeah, NC State. Do you realize I went up and I went back and looked this up when he was at NC State, and I remember him pitching at NC State. He struck out in his career in college. He struck out 462 batters in his if college I do career. Remember, didn't he choke? Didn't he choke in the playoffs? In the World he wasn't Series, very effective in the in the, in the, uh, in the regionals in the in the World Series. If yeah, I do possibly so. Coming. Possibly so. Um, yeah, but yeah, 462. And, also, and talking strikers. about damaged goods, corn. <laughs> he's damaged also. He's yeah, been, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, don't find a pitcher today who's been in the league for a while who doesn't have some kind of scar yeah. on his elbow, his arm, or something. That's just you know part of the deal. You just hope they come back healthy and can stay healthy. Okay, number one. Oh, by the way, you do know about... they named Aaron Judge captain this week too. We yeah, haven't touched that. on that, so he well, is that the was captain. all part of this. That was all part of the contract. You know, yeah. so that was yeah. built into the contract. That's fine. So that was that was laid out two weeks ago in the contract. I'm good with that. I'm we good with that. Was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was calling you about Eric Wilson, you know, and of course you correct yourself because you knew I was going to correct you. So don't mm-hmm. take don't take such you know kudos to yourself. The other thing I wanted to say, I don't think the South Carolina men's basketball team is going to win double digits this year. I do not believe it. I don't see it happening, and hopefully I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I just don't. Do you see it? Uh, well, they just cut this lead. Oh, they just tied it up on a three pointer. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's eleven eleven. I mean, you got if you're going to get double digits, you got to win this game. You got to beat Eastern Michigan, and then you go to the SEC and hope you can. You know, Vanderbilt's been struggling. Maybe you can sneak a win in Nashville against them. Um, Texas A and M has been a disappointment. Maybe you can get a win at home against those guys. So you, you might get yourself a couple of wins in January, but. 
it's going to be tough, of course, when you start playing the Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, and those folks. Mississippi State, of course, was the last team in the league to lose, so obviously they're pretty good. Well, who inherited the bigger dumpster fire, Frank or Lamont? That's an excellent question. I think they were both major dumpster fires because Frank replaced um, Darren Horn, and and we know that was a bad situation when he stepped in. And he had two losing seasons, if my memory's right. His first two years were losing seasons while he was still trying to find players and piece it together. And no single digits. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then, of course, it didn't help Lamont Paris that so many players. Now, Gamecocks have just taken the lead at 14-13. to 13. I believe they just took the lead. Yes, uh, yeah, they did. They just took the lead. So, um, nice comeback. We have to praise them as much as we were criticizing them early. Got to praise them now for, for playing better ball. Um, th- I mean, this team was decimated by departures after, Bill, right. after Martin left. So, they had to rebuild this roster, for, you know, in a short amount of time. And Go ahead, Pat. I was just going to say, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I was going to chime in. Darren Horn, he went down every year he was here. Frank Martin walked in and took over a team that had gone 10-21 and 21 the previous season down at the bottom of the SEC, whereas Frank Martin in his final season went 18-13. and 13. But, yes, then you had the mass exodus of players. But I think that is the key difference there. The transfer portal was not really around. It was not here when Darren Horn, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was totally different landscape when Frank Martin took over. So he still had a lot of those players that Darren Horn may not have been able to do much with, but Frank Martin at least inherited a little bit of talent, whereas with Lamont Paris taking over, not only say all of it, because you do have a few players that hung around, but a major, vast majority of the talent left Columbia with Frank Martin. Mm, yeah, no how, question about how's it. How's Keyshawn doing at South Florida? Do you all know? Uh, yeah, I saw a story on him. I think he was averaging about seven or eight points per game. And so and helping him out. Doing here. Yeah, I think that's yeah. about what he was doing. And I was looking to see, yeah, UMass, what's Frank Martin doing up there? Of course, he had that great run at the tournament at Coastal Carolina, having a good start. They're nine and three on the season to this point. So um, three and two coach. at home, two and zero oh away, and the rest on a, on a neutral court. So they're nine Frank's and three as coach. they prepare to get into their um, into their conference play in the Atlantic Ten. Yeah, he's a he's he's a very good coach. He'll he'll do well in Boston. Uh, one last thing. Yeah, the last time we were in Jacksonville was '87. Mm-hmm. I remember going down there. I'll tell you what. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world when I went down there in '87. I flew down there. My parents and my brother picked me up at the airport. First thing I saw when we hit Jacksonville was the Jacksonville ABC stores that had to drive throughs. Yeah, and I was like, I was like Stoli. I need a Stoli. I don't remember anything. I don't. Our bus. We took the bus from the hotel to the game. It broke down on one of the um, on one of the um bridges going over to Jack, over to the um stadium. Mm. So we had, yeah. I could hardly remember the game. I was so drunk the whole time I was there. I can imagine. So, Look, the Gamecocks have a nice history with the bowl there. I think they played. I want to say 1948. No, like 1948, didn't they play in like the first Gator Bowl or the second Gator Bowl? They played in one of the early ones. I think they played Wake Forest. Of course, they lost because they lost their first eight bowl games. But uh, they have history with that bowl game going back a lot of years. And it's a great, you know, I don't consider it Florida. It's really South Georgia. The weather is not like it's typical Florida. I always consider it to be just an extension of South Georgia. But it's still Florida. 
by name, and it's fun to get to. It's a nice city. It's a pretty city. Got beaches and all that if the weather's good. So, and it's a it's a very drivable trip for Gamecock yeah, fans. So it's the perfect location. It's a five hour easy drive if you really want to. No, go. I've I mean, made it I, three and a half. Yeah, I mean, I tonight's a weird night for me, you know, because I was at one time a um, Jacksonville Jaguar season ticket holder with my brother. Oh no! So. Yeah, well, the that. wind I heard today listening to New York radio, they, they're calling yeah, for gusts upwards of 50 miles an hour tonight. That's going to be fun to watch. I want to see some field well, goals get kicked in that. Well, okay, if Andy. takes off his helmet, he won't be able to see because all his locks will be getting in his eyes. No. <laughs> you have yourself a great night. Happy Hanukkah to you. Great weekend. And uh, talk to you again. I'll probably talk to you tomorrow on Festivus. That sounds fine. Y'all have a great day. Is tomorrow Festivus? Okay, thank you very much. Pat, is tomorrow Festivus? Is that the day or something? Festivus for the rest of us. That's right. Is that what it is? Okay. Uh, let's go to the break because we're behind, and uh, we'll get that done. And we'll tell you, the Gamecocks are now leading 14-13. They got over that terrible start. They're on a 12-2 run. And leading the way for South Carolina right now, Michi Johnson's got a couple of threes. He's got six and Brown's got three, and Carter's got three. Gamecocks have warmed up a little bit. They are now at 29% shooting from the floor, and we'll be back after this timeout. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seacattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Think big, life-changing. I'm talking education, inventive, next-level education. Wake up. For 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where, you ask? <laughs> right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. A lot 
lot of great calls tonight. Really appreciate it. Good to have you with us. Uh, let's hit another one before we get to the bottom of the hour break here on Sports Talk on this Thursday night. Of course, we're live tomorrow night, live all next week, taking you into the bowl games. Bruce in Missouri. Welcome into Sports Talk, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm in the North Pole. I bet you are. <laughs> How cold is it in Missouri? Well, it's probably minus one now. Ooh, that's chilly. Wind blowing 30 miles an hour. Mm. Anyway, um, I'm a Clemson fan. been a Clemson fan all my life. My daddy went to Clemson, and my sister went to Clemson, and I got hired by Clemson University to be over the photography staff there straight out of college. Mm-hmm. I've won three state championships in Abbeville, South Carolina. Uh, they were all each division. Lights, midgets, and high school were first-time winners of state championships. I've been on those teams. Um, and the reason I called was I wanted to uh, wish Gamecock Larry uh, a, a happy Christmas and a happy mm-hmm. New Year. Mm-hmm. And I hope he pulls for Carolina the rest of his life, and I hope they win every game the rest of his life. And uh, his spirit is, um, you know, contagious. And when I was in um, Columbia, lived in Columbia, and I'd see Carolina fans, I'd turn to them and tell them, listen, if y'all were to leave Beamer alone and let him do his coaching, he's going to win many games for y'all. And um, he's doing it. And he's going to win many more games for y'all. If y'all just leave him alone, let him coach, he's going to bring in top players. He's getting them now. And um, I'm proud of Beamer doing what he's doing. And um, I'm a I'm a football fan. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a Clemson fan. And I'm glad Carolina's winning games now. And, uh, and, and they'll win many more games, too. And um, I hope they do well this, this uh, next game they coming up. Um, Gator Bowl and beat my most hated uh, opponent is Notre Dame. I can't mm. stand Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Merry Christmas all and um, have a good New Year. You too, sir. Merry Christmas. Stay warm out there in Missouri. Appreciate your phone call. I wanted to get into Clemson a little bit in their recruiting and maybe we'll have time in the next half hour. There's some other things I want to get into as well. But, I mean, look, we all know that uh, Dabo Sweeney is – grudgingly being moved into this new era of college athletics when it comes to recruiting and the NIL and the transfer portal and all that. He's not doing much with the transfer portal. Don't be fooled. Again, taking a reserve quarterback is probably not going to play, is not dipping into the transfer portal. Now, if they went and got a, a lineman or two to help him out or maybe a receiver, a big-time receiver, he just doesn't want to do it. He's adamantly opposed. And then you heard his comments yesterday and his views on NIL truly are not the views that people who use NIL share. We'll get into that when we come back. South Carolina now leading Western Kentucky. Remember, the Gamecocks were down big early. They've come all the way back. They lead 22-19 with 6.37 to go in the first half. The Gamecocks are up to 32%, and the Hilltoppers are shooting just 37%. And let's see, the Gamecocks have five threes to one for Western Kentucky. 
Gamecocks have uh, calmed down with the basketball now. Shaky start, turning it over. But now, with only four turnovers on the game, they're also winning the boards, despite having the 7-5 guy against them. They're winning on the boards 18-12 to at this point, including five offensive rebounds. So, uh, they're doing some good things after that very slow start. Leading the Gamecocks with 12 is Michi Johnson. He's carrying the offense right now. He is four of seven, all from three-point range. Also has two rebounds and one assist in 14 minutes. He's got 12 points. So, He's been the guy. He's been the star so far for the Gamecocks. All right, phone number 888-898-2525 is our phone number if you'd like to join us. Signing day yesterday, we heard from Shane Beamer. We heard from Dabo Sweeney. We did not get a chance to hear from Tim Beck, the new head coach at Coastal Carolina. Of course, uh, he had to recruit on a short notice. Didn't have a lot of time to put a – major class together so their recruiting will continue this is where the february signing period comes in handy if you're a new guy on the scene it gives you more time to put people together for february but they were able to sign six players yesterday to kind of get them started and they did i mentioned a transfer from Furman, and they did get a transfer from Furman, the center the fine center from Furman, transferring to coastal carolina here's a little bit from coach tim beck the new head coach at Coastal Carolina, as he met with the media yesterday to talk about what they did on signing day and what they hope to be doing moving forward. Now, obviously, he's been watching things in practice and maybe um, sharing a few thoughts here and there, but he has not been actively coaching the team. He's left that to Chad Staggs and the remainder of the staff. Uh, of course, he'll step in after the bowl game and start actively uh, running things in his uh, in his vision. So, uh, are we ready with Coach Beck? Go to Coach Tim Beck and hear uh, a few minutes of what he had to say yesterday at his press conference, National Signing Day at Coastal Carolina. As I mentioned, they signed six. Uh, they'll be adding um, several more uh, come the uh, come the uh, February signing period. And we'll give you recruiting as well coming up after these comments. Here's Coach Tim Beck. Obviously, it was a great day, right? Anytime that you got an opportunity to uh, – Make your program better. Bring in some quality student athletes into your program. Boy, it's a it's a great day. It's exciting, and uh, the players. It's it's uh, such a great feeling when you talk to them on the phone. You talk to their families after they they've signed their scholarship papers and they send them in. Just I, mean, I was talking to one young man. I could feel his smile ear to ear while he was on the phone. I mean, just how you know what a great feeling that is, and how blessed they feel and. Uh, just honored to be a part of the program. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our recruiting staff, you know, Devin Doyle, Devin Doyle, what he's done um, with Matt Pierce and, and Chandler Campbell. I thought all three of them, the Tramleys and to make the impact. The, the one thing that was extremely clear from every player uh, and parent when they talked with me just in the last two weeks was the love and the unity they felt within the program and how, um, uh, how much they felt like this was home, even with the transition. And so it was a, our players did an outstanding job. And so, um, you know, we, we got a good class and it's, it's very young. You just kind of starting out as we're transitioning in coaching staff and keep looking for our OKGs and find those right guys for our, for our program and for our staff and for our schemes as we continue to grow. So, um, 
obviously January will still be a big month for us as well. Uh, Coach, a lot of people are going to wonder why only six kids, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people also don't realize the landscape of college football has changed dramatically with the portal and such. Uh, Obviously, you can't uh, talk about the portal kids because they're not here yet, but when you try to address uh, fans and people that are interested in Coastal Carolina football, what do you say to them about just the landscape of college football that you're not going to sign 25 kids anymore on scholarship just because of the way things have changed? Yeah, I think that's everywhere. You're going to see that a lot. The portal. So just so everybody knows, if a, if a, a player commits, it's a portal uh, player. Um, it's not binding until he starts the first day in school. So there's really no, no reason. You got to be careful, right? If you sign a guy and he said, hey, I'm coming, he could still go somewhere else. And so that's a very fluid uh, commitment, if you want to use the word, by a lot of young men. And things are continually happening daily. And you have to continue to recruit those guys. And so that's part of it, right? We, we have a couple. And we're, we, we're not going to talk about them. We have a couple of, of young men that, that committed to us as walk-ons that, that we can't talk about them yet until they're legally admitted into the school and, and pay their housing. Once that happens, then we could submit that. And so, but, th- but they've committed to us. So, you know, there, there's probably another four, maybe five guys um, that, have, that have committed to us and said they want to play football here at Coastal. These are transfers of yours, Parkinson? That are walk-ons, yeah. Some preferred walk-on players. You talk about uh, Derek Maxey a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of um, – optimism about him and, and his potential here at Colston. What do you, what, what stands out to you when you watched him on film and then talk to that young man? Yeah. First of all, he's very dynamic. He's a, uh, he plays a lot of positions. I was really impressed. I remember watching him. He covers a kick, he catches a pass and he, and he intercepts a pass in the first three plays. And so the first thing that jumped out of me was his versatility and his ability to play a lot of different things. Special teams is always a huge part of college football. And so to find a guy that's unselfish to be able to do that, especially in high school, you don't see those guys quite as much to do that because usually they're the star player and they don't want to, quote, get hurt and, and play those things. And he did, you know, and that stuck out to me. And uh, he could play safety. We could probably play him at nickel corner. Like there's a lot of things I think Derek can do. And he comes from an incredible family. I mean, his family, it was awesome. Uh, we went there and, it was one of the first home cooked meals I had in about two two weeks. <laughs> it was awesome, and uh, but what a, what a great family! And you can see that that's that's what makes him such a great young man as well. What positions are you looking at more so to fill with the portal at this point? Um, you know, I, I feel like number wise, we we need some help in the defensive back room, corners. Um, you know, I know numbers through some injuries, um, some guys. Uh, we're older and, 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 have, and have moved on. So I think that's an area for us. Obviously, you're always trying to replenish. So if you're losing, you know, a nose guard, you got to find a nose guard. If you're losing a bandit linebacker, you got to find a bandit linebacker, you know. Um, so you're always, you're always trying to replace those guys. I'd say, I'd say defensive backs is probably one of the top areas right now that we're looking for. All right, Tim Beck, some of what he had to say. It's all up on our website, uh, sportstalksc.com. I wanted to mention this about Clemson, just going back to Davo Sweeney and his uh, approach to things up at Clemson and the way things are being 
talked about up there from uh, the media that covers Clemson, the ones that I read, um, they're very supportive of the way that Dabo Sweeney handles things and the belief that he's doing it the right way. And, and when it comes to NIL and the transfer portal, uh, he's got the full support of his media up there, so it seems, and wouldn't expect anything else. Um, so, But here's my question, and, and only time will tell. Only time will tell. You know, Clemson, there's still the halo effect for Clemson. And the halo effect, uh, what that means is things you've done in the not-too-distant past help you in the present. And Clemson's still viewed, of course, as an elite team, an elite power based off their national championships and all that. Um, and their recruiting right now is still going, still going well. Um, they, they sign a lot of players who had a lot of big-time offers to go other places. And I guess, and I guess, now Clemson is able to find, for the most part, that elite player who is not all caught up in the NIL side of things and is not making a decision based on how much money he's going to make at a school. Uh, of course, that's not the case with other big-time players. I think there's a, a number of big-time players. I can't tell you how many, but I think there's a number of big-time players around the country who are making their decisions based on finances, how much they can make from a particular school, and schools are laying that out for them as well. Okay, that's all well and good in today's world, and that's how a lot of schools recruit right now. Dabo Swinney continues to fight that, and okay, right now it's going okay. Looks like he's got good players coming in, okay? Looks like the players that left to transfer well, of course, they were loved when they signed. You go back and read the comments from the recruiting experts that cover Clemson. When these all these guys signed, they were all, you know, panned as being terrific players and great prospects and going to be major contributors to Clemson, you know, four-star this, five-star that, whatever the case may be. Not so much when you walk out the door as a transfer. You're not quite as beloved. But anyway, that's the nature of the, of the beast. Um, my point is, is how long is this halo effect going to last for Clemson if they don't get back into playoff contention, if they don't win a national championship or so here coming up? Um, how long can you go at that level recruiting those kind of players who aren't interested in the money, but they are interested in the, the wholesome approach that Clemson is taking, the religious approach that Clemson uh, take, uh, takes to their recruiting, um, they're interested in the academic side, apparently, and into living in a place like Clemson and the community and the culture. They're more interested in that than they are making several hundred thousand dollars. Um, how long can you live like that if you're Clemson? How many players are going to be out there as time goes on? Is that pool going to dry up to where eventually all the great players, the very best ones who help you win championships, they're going to be only going to schools where they can cash in? And is Clemson going to be left behind here at the station and that train pulls out and they're left standing there on the landing dock? You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Right now it's still good at Clemson because they've got the reputation and so does Sweeney. And they're still winning 10, 11 games a year. But they haven't gone to the playoffs now two years in a row. They didn't go to the ACC championship a year ago. They did go this year and they won it. Is the league around them catching up? Uh, eventually, you know, if Miami holds on to some of these players they're getting, they're going to get better. If Florida State holds on to some of the players they're getting, they're going to get better. And it seems like just based on the Clemson media that I read, 
everybody else around Clemson is spending the money in recruiting. It's always NIL. When Clemson doesn't get a player that they don't want, it's pretty much because of NIL, and Clemson doesn't participate in the, in the pay-for-play approach that other schools do. This is according to some of the Clemson media that I've been reading. I don't know what's true or what's not true. But my question is, and something to think about seriously, how long can Clemson maintain this and maintain a high-level, talented roster that will make them a factor on the national scene? Will there be enough players who will want to come to a place like Clemson where the NIL opportunities are there, but the big money is not presented to them up front, apparently, compared to other schools who are doing it the other way? And how long can Clemson afford not to participate in the portal transactions that schools around them are participating in? Just something to think about. Got to hit a break. We'll come back with a quick recruiting report tonight. And uh, if you have any phone calls, you want to join us, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number, 31 seconds to go in the half over at USC. And it's the Gamecocks now up on Western Kentucky, 32-30. to 30. You got to give them credit, South Carolina, for settling down after that shaky start. And Michi Johnson is just on fire. Five of eight from three. He's got 15 points. He's got nearly half of the Gamecocks total. I'd keep feeding the Michi and see if he can deliver back in a moment. If an insurance company is there to sell you insurance, shouldn't it also be there to service it with real people? At Farm Bureau Insurance, we're here to help with experienced agents ready to provide personal service when you need it most. Call today for your free no-obligation review for auto, home, and life insurance that's custom-tailored just for you. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, Buddy Bridges and Farm Bureau Insurance have the right policy for you. Call Buddy today in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. South Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Casualty Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game, it's played for fun. So set a dollar amount, expect not to win, and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit playresponsiblysc.com.
right, Gamecocks lead at the break, 34-32 over Western Kentucky. They're up to 33% shooting. Western Kentucky at 42%. Gamecocks are 7 of 20 from distance. That's what's saving their bacon so far tonight. And the the man who is cooking the bacon is uh, Michi Johnson. Knew he was a good outside shooter. He's got 15 points. He's got five of eight from three. Gigi Jackson has uh, one three-pointer. Uh, Carter's got one three-pointer for the Gamecocks. So they are now leading after trailing big early. Back up now 34-32. This would be a nice win for South Carolina if they can hang on to it. Uh, a couple of recruiting notes. Recruiting is brought to you by Seawells. They are closed, of course, for the holidays this week. Uh, catch up with them next week when they reopen with the daily luncheon buffet. And, of course, holiday season is going to be passing on, but you're going to have some important things coming up in 2023. Big events. You're going to want the best in catering. Just give Seawells a call and let them handle it for you at their location on Rosewood Drive in Columbia, or they'll come to you. And that phone number is 803-771-7385. So big day tomorrow at South Florence, 1130 in the morning. Lenora Sellers, the quarterback, is going to announce who he has chosen. He's going to sign tomorrow as well. Told us yesterday he'd made up his mind and notified the schools. South Carolina, Syracuse, Syracuse, South Carolina. Liberty tried to get in there a little bit late as well, but basically it's whether he's sticking with his commitment to Syracuse or he's going to switch to uh, the Gamecocks. We'll find that out tomorrow at about 11.30. And let's see, a couple of other um, items from last night. Wide receiver Edwin Joseph, who USC recruited, he ended up with Florida State. Linebacker Cam Robinson, who the Gamecocks recruited, he ended up with Virginia. Receiver Caden Lee, who the Gamecocks recruited, he ended up with Ole Miss. One-time USC target, offensive tackle Keyshawn Blackstock ended up with Michigan State. Former Gamecock commitment, offensive tackle Isaiah Jada signed with Colorado. And uh, let's see, um, Camden defensive end Shamik Jones, who'd been committed to Appalachian State, ended up signing with Georgia Tech. The... um, You know, I'm not a rankings person at all, but I know some of you out there care about the rankings. Thus, I will update the 24-7 composite ranking. This is where they take the data from rivals and, I guess, from on three. And they make a composite ranking. So Alabama, with 28 commitments, they got another big one today. Is it Desmond Ricks? I think it's Desmond Ricks. They got him. He's a corner. Alabama's number one, Georgia's number two, Texas is number three, Miami is number four, Oklahoma's number five, Ohio State is number six, LSU is seven, Notre Dame is eight, Tennessee is nine, and Clemson is number 10. Oregon is 11, then Florida's 12, Penn State 13, Texas A&M 14, Southern Cal is 15, South Carolina is at number 16. Michigan is 17. TCU is 18. Auburn is 19. Florida State is number 20. That's your top 20, the 24-7 sports composite. There you go with recruiting tonight right here on Sports Talk. A couple of other quick notes. Georgia Tech's expected to hire Western Kentucky co-offensive coordinator and receivers coach Josh Crawford 
as receivers coach. That's according to Matt Zenitz of On3 Sports. Oh, one more thing to keep an eye on right now for South Carolina. Really two more things to keep an eye on for the Gamecocks. Joshua Simon played tight end at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky won their bowl game handily last night. Big offensive performance and a win over South Alabama. So, you know, been strong word among the Gamecock media that he is going to transfer to a South Carolina now that he's finished there. He's out of Crestwood High School. He had a nice career, had like 86 catches in his career at Western Kentucky. Very athletic, uh, tight end type who could make that move to a South Carolina as the Gamecocks try to replace the tight ends who are leaving the program. And, of course, they're still waiting on Dominique Richardson, the transfer running back from Oklahoma State. He remains out there as well. Now, some people nationally have him pegged for Baylor, so I don't know where he's going to end up at this particular time. But as far as immediate uh, decisions, uh, those could be a couple of others. And, of course, the Gamecocks continue to wait on uh, Nicholas Harbor, who's not going to sign until February, and Zabion Hardy. They mu- keep on monitoring that situation. Maybe by tomorrow, as he told us, uh, by tomorrow he hopes to know uh, if a NCAA clearinghouse is going to approve him for signing here in the early period. If not, he said he plans to sign with South Carolina in February. So that is where things stand right now with South Carolina and Clemson, of course, as we mentioned. They've got everything in the house, and they're done, except for maybe, you know, if a transfer pops up that they like. Uh, Before we leave you, a couple of minutes here with Clemson basketball coach Brad Brownell. We should start paying attention. They're 2-0 in the ACC. Some quick comments from him following last night's win over Georgia Tech in Atlanta. You know, nice way for us to go to Christmas, playing well the last two games out. Um, I, I thought we played very well uh, tonight, especially offensively. And I thought our defense, except for the first four minutes of the game, was pretty good. I thought our defense in the, you know, the last 15, 16 minutes of the half was really good. That's where we got a, where we pulled away a little bit. Got better bench production. Uh, Dylan and, and RJ really helped us. Uh, ben, Josh, that was good uh, just to give us some good minutes. And certainly our older players, PJ and Hunter, were outstanding in terms of finishing around the basket. Uh, thought we did a nice job of having a good mix of of uh, scoring inside. They do a good job of guarding the three. And, and when we got the lead, I thought they got extended a lot in both man and zone. And so... Our guys did a nice job of, of attacking them inside out. Going into the game, do you feel like you could get the ball inside offensively? Uh, yeah, I mean, we we play, you know, that way, maybe a little more old school than some. Obviously, when you have somebody as talented as P.J., you're going to try to get him touches. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, that's part of it. Tech does an unbelievable job. I mean, they take care of the ball great, and they defend the three extremely well. And so, you know, those are those – are, hard things uh, when the team doesn't turn it over, you know, you know, you're going to have to guard, uh, force them to miss. Uh, and then if you're not going to get threes in this game, you know, against these guys, you've got to play very well to score inside a lot of baskets. And that's not easy to do. Um, tonight we were able to do that. It helped that we had to lead uh, that price spread them out a little bit. So, uh, but our guys did a nice job of, you know, again, we had 20 assists again, this has been a team that has really shared the ball all year. We're, we're a pretty good passing team. We work on our passing a lot. And so uh, that's been a, a real positive for this group.
All right, comments of Brad Brownell. I'll leave you with this, the <laughs> recruiting story of the day. Peyton Brown, who had been committed to Notre Dame, then yesterday flipped to Oregon, signed today with Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> you got to love recruiting. That is the beauty of it right there. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.